0: This is uh, just a good reminder of our Costa Rica missions trip is what I'm going to try to frame this as. Uh, yesterday, my son and I decided to go out and ref seven games to raise money for the Costa Rica high school missions trip this summer for us. Uh, my son and my wife were going on that. I wish I could reframe it fully that way, but really, this is all about stupidity, walking out to a day that's 73 refing games from 7 in the morning till 7 at night and uh, not taking any sunscreen. So... Uh, today on your way in, you should have received a personal decision sheet from the ushers. If you didn't, uh, go ahead and raise your hand. They'll bring you one. It'll make your week applying this a whole lot better, a whole lot more meaningful to you in that process. So thank you for raising your hand. Keep them up. They'll get to you soon. Luke 2.52 is our, our core verse for this series that we're calling Our Quest. And it says this. It says, and Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. And that's exactly what God wants to see in each one of our lives, that we grow in all those areas. And actually, my favorite word in that text is that word favor, with God and man. It speaks to the success of building winsome, positive relationships. It speaks to this affirmation of our lives, growing, improving relationships, even increasing influence in our relationships. And and when you think about that, doesn't that sound nice? in your relationship with God, to have that kind of increasing favor, where day by day God's presence and power in your life becomes more and more real and more and more central to the beauty of your life? Doesn't it sound great to grow in favor with men around you, with women and people, men around you, relationships getting better, more and more joy and love and contentment and security, and yes, even more influence? As we continue the Our Quest series in our time together, we're actually focusing on what God wants to do next in our lives. This is not a series about working harder to be a better Christian. It's about focusing and letting God remove the pressure of our lives by knowing how to redirect our focus and our energy on what He wants to do during this important season of our life, whatever season you're in. And today, specifically, we're going to talk about discerning and uh, redefining our fit, our personal mission, our purpose, knowing God's purpose for our lives. Jesus actually uses an image which I think is really helpful for this in Mark 11, beginning in verse 28. It says this, "'Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle.'" And I'm humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus speaks to the weariness of knowing how to live life well for each and every one of us. How to be pleasing to God. How to find that purpose in life and meaningfully and fulfillingly live life in the best way we were created to live it. And he says this image of this yoke That thing you carry in your life to accomplish the stuff in your life. Jesus says to you, I want it to fit really well. I want it to fit really well so that the weight is easy and light. So it doesn't rub you raw and leave you sore and make life more difficult than it needs to be. As we grow in our understanding of our mission and purpose, the idea is that we keep being fitted better to that yoke. So that when we feel sore or raw in our lives then we know we probably need to grow a little bit in that area. We probably need to change something. We probably need to refocus something in our lives. Last week, we talked about personal growth, and, and we asked ourselves questions about where God wants us to grow in our personal growth and our spiritual habits, our emotional habits, our relational habits. And we asked you last week just to identify one new bullseye to grow in, not the laundry list of stuff. This is about not, not about everything. It's about that one thing God wants you to grow in. But the reason we do our personal habits and focus on personal growth is for what we're talking about today. Our purpose. Our mission. Engaging in God's really good story for our lives. His divine, His divinely ordained life quest for each and every one of us. See, it's not the habits that bring fulfillment. Rather, it's the habits that help us explore more fully the joy of the calling and purpose God has designed each and every one of us for. And whenever we start talking about purpose though, it seems like whenever we talk specifically about God given purpose or divinely ordained purpose, whenever I'm around that conversation, it seems like tension starts to increase. I mean, there are many people, I think probably everybody, who really desires to know their divine purpose that they were created for, but we still struggle. We start saying to ourselves things like, I just work trying to help people buy another product so I can make money. I don't see divine purpose in that. And when we start comparing ourselves then... To people, the Mother Teresas of the world, the, the people who make the real difference in life, right? In people's lives, feeding starving children and caring for those caught with massive sickness and like HIV and malaria outbreaks. We, we think of people who started clean water initiatives and all of a sudden changed the lives of thousands of people. We think of people who are not common working people like you and I, like moms and dads that we are. And yet, while God may very well raise up many of you, into larger leadership positions, God has extremely meaningful purpose for each and every one of our lives, each and every day, because God designed your life to count. He designed tasks and he designed a fit of a yoke just for you in this life. Yet, how do we move by that confusion that we struggle with when we think about divine purpose and godly sense of purpose? And how do we discover it? How do we fulfill it with everything else going on in our lives, right? For a majority of people, I think the biggest barrier to understanding God's purpose and plans for our lives is actually a misunderstanding of how purpose is worked out in our lives, of how it's discovered and what it looks like to live in a purposeful life. So to help us, we're going to look through three areas today of personal mission. We're going to look at clarity of giftedness. We're going to look at our sense of calling. And we're going to look at something I'm going to call active engagement. Now, there are many things about Facebook I don't like. There are many things I do like about Facebook. One of the things I like the best is I have lots of good friends who I have a hard time keeping up with because of living in different states and we're, we're so busy. So during those in-between times of seeing each other, we don't communicate a lot, a, a lot very often. When we get together, it's great. But, so every now and then, I just enjoy getting on Facebook and going to one of those friends' pages and catching up on their lives by scanning their timeline. I was thinking about that this past week, and I realized God has a different kind of a Facebook timeline for each one of us. Not only do we get to see the things posted that have already happened in our lives on that, but God has things already pre-scheduled to post on your timeline with a date and a time already assigned for that post to happen. Ephesians 2.10, sorry if you think I overquote this, if nothing else, I need to be reminded of this regularly, says this, I am God's handiwork. God created you as a masterpiece for a masterful purpose, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. God's desire for you is to have a meaningful, positive impact in life. He wants that for you more than you want it for yourself. And He created you in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for you to do. Your Heavenly Father has all of these fantastic, good, meaningful posts tagging you already pre-planned. For the timeline of your life. See, our personal mission comes all down to this statement. God designed your life to count. God wants our lives to count for something more than we want our lives to count for something. And yet, isn't it true that one of the greatest fears we continue to run into in life with our friends, even in your own life, is this idea that what if I live a meaningless life? What's the meaning to my life? But see, God designed your life to count, and He wants to remove that fear from your life so that you can replace it with joy. The reality is, many of the things that God has preplanned for our lives to post to our timeline do get posted, but some of them don't. Some of them are modified, some of them change. Some of them get deleted because we're just way too busy, and we're too distracted, and we miss what God's doing in our lives. Some of them don't get posted because we miss them because of disobedience or sin in our lives that we won't submit to God and let Him work in our lives. Some of them get edited, those posts, because we're not prepared to engage them well and we engage them poorly instead. Sometimes we miss those things that God wants to do because we have a wrong belief about ourselves. We don't think we're worthy or able to do what God wants us to do. See, we look at our own imperfection and God comes and says to us, here, I want you to enjoy doing this. I've made you for this. But our response all too often to God is, ah, no God, I I can't do that. That's beyond me. I'm not good enough to do that. I just mess it up, right? Why do we do that? It's because we forget that God knows our imperfections. He knows our weakness and our sin. And He still forgives us. He still justifies us. And He's thrilled to have us be involved in doing good things in partnership with Him. And so He gives us His Holy Spirit to empower us in those areas where we aren't sufficient, where we are imperfect, so that we still get to do the good things He's designed for our lives. And we just have to respond with faith and with confidence to follow Him. Let's look at the first of the categories, clarity of giftedness. What are you good at? Not, what are you better than anyone else at? The question is, what are you good at? When you do something or you help someone out, what do they say you're good at? What strength or help do you bring to them in that situation? The Bible speaks repeatedly about God gifting us. He he talks about it through the parable of the talents. He talks about it in Paul's epistles by talking about spiritual gifts he gives us. He he talks about it in the very verse we talked about today that he created us for good works. He, He uses metaphors in the Bible of the body of Christ saying we all have a purpose and all have a thing. Jeremiah, he talks about us even while we're in our mother's womb. He's created us with a unique purpose, a unique value and meaning for life. There are many things and many ways to refine our understanding of our giftedness. And it's really important that we look at this from time to time. It's just kind of a, an inventory, a refocusing thing we do in our life because we, we continue to grow. Circumstances change. The focus of our strengths and our gifts often change as well. New experiences cause us to discover new strengths or how our strengths thrive in new arenas and grow and shine in new ways. Sometimes God even takes us through experiences that don't meet our definition of success. I have a really good friend, really successful in business. He sensed God wanting him to leave that and to plant a church. So he set himself up in a place where he could do that vocationally, And he, he tried to start one church and it, and it didn't work. And then a couple of years later, he tried to start another one. And it took for a couple of years, but it didn't really succeed and grow like he thought it would and what he would define as success. In the end, the process was all about helping him shed some expectations that other people had put on him for what it means to really be spiritual and a leader. And he began to learn, even through that difficult failure as some would call it, new strengths that God wanted to work in his life and how God wanted to work through him. So we went back into the business world and it was much more effective in being a representative in his relationships there for Christ than ever before. It made him a better person, a better leader, a better minister. See, a big part of refining and expanding our, and focusing our gifts is trying new things. At times, uncomfortable things. Even unsuccessful things to discover our best fit. And that means that God will nudge us from time to time to try those new uncomfortable things, to try even those things that we're not good at as a means of growing us. And in the process, He'll continue to accomplish the good through us in all of that. You can also grow your strengths by doing in your strengths and your understanding of giftedness by by doing assessments and personal reflections, things like the Strengths Finders inventory, or the DISC, or the Myers Briggs, or the or the cheaper cousin of the Myers Briggs, the Kiersey Temperament Analysis, or spiritual gifts tests, or a host of other type of things that help you figure out who you are. See, but many of you have done them, right? And you don't ever really do them again. But I want to encourage you to do them again because you change. And these assessments can help you even identify how that change is going on in your life. I've taken, for instance, the Strengths Finders three, four times in my lifetime over the last 10, 15 years. And many of the core top five things stay the same, and they they do speak to me in that moment. But when I was a traveling consultant doing short-term work with people and intervention work, the top five were different. When I came here the first couple years, they were different again. They shifted a a little bit now. Now even being here longer, being in the same place, doing long-term management and leadership and things going well and continuing to grow, The top five have shifted slightly again for me. And whenever I take those types of assessments, I treat it as this opportunity to reflect and to pray and for God to come and refocus me on the gifts that are most vital to this season of my life, the ones that he's growing and working in, developing now. And that's the value of doing those things over and over again because God designed our life to count and He gives you the gifts when you need them to do the things that count. The point of today, of this section, is where is God wanting you to focus? Where is God wanting you to grow and refine the gifts and the talents He's given you? How might God be inviting you to take a risk doing something you're not comfortable with yet? so that you can identify new strengths in your life. The second area I want to talk with you about today is is the area of calling. Calling is this term in Christian circles that kind of means, what's the focus of your God-given impact from your life? I mean, God designed our lives to count, and and calling is this, uh, this unique difference our life makes in the lives of other people. To help you uh, prayerfully prayerfully reflect on this, uh, ask yourselves questions like this. When I serve or lead in a certain area, what's the unique impact I bring to the situation? Is it bringing people together because I I pay attention to individual needs and care for individuals? Is it uh, the unique way I anticipate the needs of the group and, and facilitate relationships and network to address those needs? Is it the way you bring calm to a conflicted situation by your presence or your clarity of direction, or is it something else? When you serve or lead and things are going well, what is it about that situation for you that brings life, that brings fulfillment, that brings satisfaction to you in that moment? When you do something or see someone do something that really moves you, strikes a passion in your heart, maybe even brings you to tears, what is it about that situation that moves you? That might be the focus of your calling. It's also possible you might just be really emotional that day, right? But more than likely, there's a piece in what moves you to tears that reflects your calling in life. When you see someone or something and it really makes you angry and passionate about wanting to correct it, what is that? It's possible that passion is part of your calling or a reflection of a piece of it. Again, it might be that it was just really offensive and you're just really angry about it. But often our strong reactions reflect a piece of our calling, the difference we were designed to make in other people's lives. God designed your life to count. And Jesus says in his version of Ephesians 2.10, found in John 15.16, that he wants your life to count in ways that's our lasting bring lasting meaning, not just something that's here today and gone tomorrow. Still, there are many big questions uh, about our lives counting, and those questions are oftentimes daunting to us. They leave many of us struggling. They leave many of us feeling like we can't quite nail it down. And I think another reason why we struggle with this is simply this: we connect calling directly too often to the tasks that we fulfill in our vocation and the outcomes. And that's completely understandable. I mean, our our world talks about calling only in the context of vocation, typically. Pastors often say they feel called to the ministry. Missionaries feel called. So when we tie calling to vocation, we therefore have people saying things like this. I'm a banker, and where's God's purpose in writing another loan, right? I'm a computer programmer. Where's God's divine impact through me writing another line of code, and sometimes, um, the difficulty of our lives, we're called, sometimes in our lives we're called to this laser focus that, that's directly career focused. I mean, we see it in the Bible. David's called to be a king. Mary's called to be the mother of Jesus. Paul's called to bring the good news to the Gentiles. Among our very own people here, Scott is called to warm to help people struggling with financial and food scarcity stand on their own. Often, our calling, at least for a time, is specifically ministry focused outside of our work. Like for, sorry I didn't ask him, I'm just gonna compliment him, Andy and Heidi Wilson sitting right there. Thank you. You can hit me later if I did this without your permission, you don't like it. I mean they bring godly freedom to people's lives. And health to marriages. They through Financial Peace University, and they're so passionate about it. Andy just recently went through the highest financial coaching certificate of Dave Ramsey's organization, so he can do that better as a ministry. Maybe your calling is to raise great kids, or to adopt, or to be a teacher. See, it can be hard for us, though, when we see people around us who have a laser focus They understand the big picture, and they also have a very specific area they're they're called to. But calling is bigger than one focus or our vocation. It's about where God's purpose is for our whole life. The kind of impact you make in people's lives regardless of what you're doing, whether it's vocation, whether it's volunteer, whether it's sitting with a friend at coffee, it's that difference you make in people's lives. You see, it isn't just one thing. Often God gives us an area where we have greater impact and a focal point, but the focus of our calling is is much bigger. Part of the focus of my calling is to empower and multiply leaders, and I do that whether it means I'm working with a developing church planter or a pastor or a staff member or a person who's wanting to start a business or a youth uh, member who's wanting to start a new ministry or a new group at school or working to bless someone like Dusty as he's transitioning out to a new adventure in leadership and career and life. And oftentimes the focus of our calling also changes throughout our life. A friend of mine, Russ, lives in the West Coast, a successful auditor, climbed to the top of his profession, leading the, leading the L.A. office of a big sex accounting firm. And he discovered a purpose after he left that in studying for ministry and coaching people. Uh, ben Carson, regardless of what you think about him and his politics, he leaves one profession where he's greatly helping people in need already. And because of a sense of calling as a follower of Jesus, he chooses to write and speak and run for office and be a voice challenging our culture and the way it treats one another in disagreement and certain social problems. As I was reflecting on this this past week and getting ready for today, though, something struck me that I hadn't really thought about from the Bible before. See, in the Bible, calling is not generally something you see people in the Bible crying out to God to give them and to show them. God just generally shows up and makes it clear. Tapping faithful people on the shoulder and making their calling clear. I mean, anyone remember Amos? The small book in the Old Testament? He's a shepherd and an orchard keeper growing figs. And God calls him and says, I want you to be a prophet. Gideon just stomping grapes and threshing grain and working on his local farm, God shows up and calls him to a specific leadership position. He's not even looking for it. Saul, later, later Paul, writer of most of the New Testament, is just going about his business, trying to follow God with sincerity, even though he's wrong. And Jesus appears and defines his life. Isn't it interesting to think about Paul? Paul was sincerely following God as he understood Him. He was wrong. But he was sincere and zealous when God breaks in and focuses his life. Abraham was called to found a nation through a child. But the vast majority of Abraham's life was just day to day stuff. It was growing a business. It was being a blessing to his workers and, and building influence with the neighbors and the people of land. And along the way, there were some highlight moments in his life of impact, but the vast majority of his purpose in life was daily faithfulness to relationships and building a business. Which leads me to the third point of reflection, what we're calling active engagement. See, sometimes we get caught up in all this study, assessment, self-reflection, trying to understand your giftedness and trying to connect those gifts to the difference God wants to make through your life, your sense of calling. But both of those are actually kind of passive reflection things, trying to figure things out. But your personal mission, your your personal purpose in life, is not seen through your thoughts; it's seen through your actions. And the results that those actions have on other people. And therefore, the biggest part of us discovering our personal mission and purpose in life is active engagement of life. Just paying attention to the needs around you that pop up in your path every day. Just doing stuff to use your gifts to care for those things. And discerning the results to help you come to even greater focus see, discovering our personal mission and our purpose is like, is like a quest. It's like an active journey to somewhere. We, we kind of generally know maybe some of the things about where we're going, but with each bend in the road or each mountain pass that we crest, the next steps become much more defined because all of a sudden, we see that we need to change our route or we need to change our approach to the next goal because of the new circumstances and the new challenges facing our life. One of the problems with life plans that many of us have gone through, and I, I'm, I'm a fan of those. But one of the problems is that we feel a need to figure it all all out, to construct our life ahead of time. But life and purpose is a process of discovery. And that discovery happens through just doing things, through active engagement. We're a part of God's story. We're not constructing something. We're discovering something and walking in that what we discover with God as He leads us. It's not the Marty McFly approach to your future is whatever you make it, so make it a good one. It's the discovering God. It's discovering how God wired you. It's what experience has He given you uh, you to grow in, and, and what's the meaning of that, and lining ourselves up with the story He's written for us, one He created for us to enjoy, to do good things in more than the gifts and personality assessments, which are helpful, more than defining our focus and the difference we want to make in terms of our calling as helpful and as needed as that is, and God does reveal those things more clearly with age as we grow. Discovering and living in your purpose is simply, daily, faithfully, actively engaging in what God is posting on your timeline for that day. It's simply using your gifts to love people in whatever comes your way each day. Abraham, as I noted, had this broad idea of his purpose in life, to found a family, a nation, and a faith. But if you recall, his efforts to construct his purpose didn't work too well. If you remember a story, when Abraham tried to figure it out and construct his purpose, it resulted in strained relationships with his wife. It resulted in broken family dynamics with Ishmael. Only when Abraham lived life post by post on his timeline that God was putting there, paying attention to love and faithfulness within each day as God led him, did he fulfill the calling God had for him on his life. And that love and faithfulness, again, often looked like simple taking care of business, simple caring for family, Caring for neighbors, being a good neighbor, being generous, and being kind. On your personal decisions sheet this week, there are a number of questions for you. Uh, To personally reflect on. But I've also added this week some conversation questions that you can ask other people around you to give you input, to help you understand, maybe with a little more clarity, your gift and your calling in life. God designed your life to count, and our role in that process is remembering to regularly reflect and refocus on how God is giving us opportunities to count and make a difference today. Now... This past week, I had a, meet, had a bunch of meetings, and one of the people in one of those meetings present was a, a person who works for a government agency. And uh, he started talking this last week, just telling how in this past week, God's purpose popped up in his timeline, in his job. And I asked permission. He gave, gave me permission to share this anonymously. His team was called into a company in our state that was out of compliance. And because they were out of compliance and because it was going to be so big and so expensive to fix everything, they were almost certain to be shut down. They had actually already started laying off their 170 employees, trying to just cut down with the inevitable coming up. And this man's team came in with a a mandate to serve this company and do whatever it took to get them back in compliance fast enough, which meant 80 to 100-hour weeks. It meant weekend phone calls and late-night phone calls with bosses and their bosses and their bosses, all the way up to the governor's office. It was a tiring and frustrating week. But in the end, they were able to save 160 jobs in a county and a community already struggling with poverty. Can you imagine the impact that that made, touching lives possibly for generations to come with a positive difference? And as he told this story, he rightly saw this past week as one of those God's good works prepared in advance for him to be involved with. And he worshipped God in the midst of that opportunity, even though it was so pressureful, so frustrating, and so tiring. About two years ago, we had one person sense God's tugging on their heart to start a garden here at Quest to grow food for those in need. And that team has grown to dozens involved now. Last year we had over 500 pounds of food and over $300 raised for those in need. And it continues to expand. And actually this year one of the exciting things is it looks like we may have our first outside community partnership with that, giving us the opportunity to have people who aren't even part of Quest, who aren't even part of any church, come and maybe serve alongside of us in the the garden, giving an opportunity for relationship, uh, friends with faith, to be lived out. All that through the simple love of sticking your fingers in the dirt and growing green edible stuff. I mean, just looking at what's in front of you and the gifts that you have. Imagine what God can do if we would all allow ourselves to just refocus, even just a little bit. Not not add more, just refocus every day. And look at those simple opportunities God has given us to serve and love people, what the results will be. Again, I mentioned Andy and Heidi earlier, but uh, Zach and Hillary joined them in following the nudge of God to focus their gifts and calling after taking Financial Peace University. They continued on as leaders, and the result is that people within Quest and outside of Quest have reduced debt by hundreds of thousands of dollars. We've seen families and marriages saved becoming stronger because there's less stress in fighting over finances and there's greater financial security, and it's even resulted in greater generosity. An increase in that, giving more to God and what He's doing here at Quest and other places in the community as well, resulting in ministries of the church expanding, like counseling and other areas. Because of them giving that simple gift in one area, there are hundreds of people, many that they don't even know, many who even haven't been through Financial Peace University, whose lives are being touched because of that. And there are more stories like that. God designed our lives to count. And he designed our lives together as the people who make up Quest to count. Think of the difference that can be made if 300 of us who attend Quest in similar simple ways just decide we're going to do that next thing in front of us that our gifts fit in and how much impact that could make in people's lives. God designed your life to count. How does he want to grow you? Letting Him make your life count even more this year. Go ahead and come on up, worship team. Lord, we just ask that You would come and that You would use this intentional reflection time that we're allowing ourselves to be in. This time where we listen to what I say here and, and we allow you to come and speak to us. And it's a time this week where we, where we just take the simple questions and we have other people speak into our lives or we look at our own life and we reflect. Lord, would you take this time for us to allow your fit for us to become better? For us to refocus so that the soreness of life is lessened, that the weight and the heaviness of life is lessened, but the impact of our lives is more. Would you give us the patience, Lord, to, to come to you and wait for you to post stuff on our timeline? Instead of feeling so much pressure about where we're going, Lord, would you instill in us a trust that you already have it figured out, that you've got those posts ready for us and we just have to look to you and we get to enjoy doing that. Lord, would you free us to be people whose lives count and make a tremendous difference. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's Sermon Audio. If you are loving Quest's podcast, let us know on Facebook or Twitter by using the hashtag GoToQuest. For more information about Quest, who we are and what we do, or if you would like to help support Quest financially, please visit us at gotoquest.org. That's G-O-T-O quest.org.